Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hey, it's me, Melissa. Before we start, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by No More Guilt with Melissa Landry. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation meant for educational purposes. Look, we're dietitians, but we're not your dietitian. Remember that podcasts don't constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're looking for the process, support, and focus you need to live life without food guilt, apply for a coaching program from today's sponsor, me. I'm currently enrolling clients into one-to-one programs, group programs, and I recently added a do-it-yourself format, the Ex-Dieter's Guide to No More Guilt. Apply for a program at melissalandrynutrition.com. I hope to meet you soon. Hi there, we're back for Intuitive Eating Principles episode number two, Honor Your Hunger. I have some great notes for us today, Delina. How are you feeling about this topic? You know, I'm always ready to eat and always ready to honor my hunger. You are. I'm ready for this. When we went to New York, uh, it was more than a year ago now, we were getting ready for this conference and Delina and I were just like, okay, so like timeline on food, where are we going? When are we having it? Pasta was discussed. I know that about you, that you like to have a good food plan on the same way. Listen, I'm not here for being hangry. No. And we're going to talk about that hangry feeling. Dieters know it all too well because diets tend to prescribe you less than what you physically need in order to trigger weight loss. And so we're going to talk about that experience when you're on a diet and how that can sometimes stick around with you when you're trying to heal from chronic dieting. We are going to cover three things today, Delia. Let me know what you think, because that intuitive eating book, that chapter on hunger is meaty. I wanted to kind of pluck out the key stuff. So here's what I was thinking we could talk about today. One, primal hunger, what that is. Two, what does hunger even feel like? Get that question a lot. Like people only know the extreme version or like not hungry at all sometimes. So we'll talk about that. And then lastly, we're going to talk about how to get started. So just some gentle tips you can incorporate to begin to get to know your hunger, things that Delina and I do with our clients through our programs to help raise body awareness. What do you yeah. think? Too much or just enough? This is for, I think there's not enough. There's, there's so much we can talk about. Oh my God. She like, thinks that I'm shortchanging. This never happens. This never happens. I won't shortchange you. I promise. We're trying to right size this. All right. So let's kick it off with this idea of primal hunger. I kind of heard this phrase, I think the first time um, through the fuck it diet, Probably. it talks, it talks a lot about primal. She talks a lot about Carolyn Dooner talks a lot about primal, primal hunger in that book. I was aware of it as a concept, but that phrase, I think I might've, I might've learned there, but I loved it because it talks about this, like overwriting this written mm-hmm. code within our brain that says you are going to eat. I will make you compelled to eat food if you are not giving me enough food. And it is a survival technique. Yeah. So one thing that I notice happens a lot with chronic dieters is that the message that like quote carbs are bad 
is woven into like almost every dieting program I'd say in the 2000s and beyond. Like we saw the South Beach diet, we saw Atkins diet, now keto diet. And all of these diets have extreme restrictions on carbohydrates. I think it gets into the like zeitgeist that carbs are not something we should be consuming. And what I find with a lot of clients is like, they're just always looking for ways to eat less carbs. Always, always. It's like fear factor, number one. (laughs) Honestly, it's like beyond me. And I think my biggest peeve is when the medical world mm. is so, I don't even, I don't even know what they're called. They're just, it's, they're so like engulfed in this like anti-food, anti-fatness rhetoric that like the first thing that they think about is like, well, if you cut carbs, then you'll lose weight. It's such a band-aid instead of an actual solution, right? right? Which is what pisses me off. I can't tell you how many chulas come to work with me and tell me that their doctor told them to try keto without even talking to them, without even asking them about their lifestyle. Like they don't sit down and talk to anybody. So then we have doctors influencers, the media, 103 billion books on keto. <laughs> she recently counted. There's that many. That many. Um, I just hate keto. That's it. That's yeah. It. It's, and it's, it's ex- the worst of them all. I agree. It's extreme. It really dishonors the basic uh, science of nutrition, which says that our body prefers glucose. Glucose is a sugar molecule. All carbohydrates for the most part will break down into this glucose or eventually be transformed into glucose. And our body likes it to be in a very tight range in our bloodstream at all times, because that's what the brain uses for fuel. Listen, we're breaking it down. You get some ATP out of this glucose and you'll still love it. For those who did not take nutritional biochemistry with myself and Delina, ATP is the energy molecule. Energy. You're nerded out. You're nerding out. So if you are consistently and strategically removing carbohydrates from your diet, maybe you're doing it in a crash way. Maybe you're doing it a little bit over a long time. You will become hangry as Delina was calling it and, or you will experience primal hunger. And this is where I think a lot of people will say, I feel like I'm addicted to food, (laughs) the sugar primal hunger is no joke. Um, it can feel like someone took over your brain because your brain body's going to like default mode at that point. Yeah. It's like, if any of you are like, 80s babies like us um, and you watch like Lizzie McGuire it's like little Lizzie on the shoulder like turning into like a screaming <laughs> angry turning like a monster <laughs> there's that like irritability that comes with it and it's because we are not having our basic needs met and so something to consider if you are someone who historically is like, uh, I feel like I have food addiction or, you know, this kind of happens to me a lot. Like I'm the kind of person who will not eat until six o'clock when days get busy, really resist the urge to like beat yourself up when you experience primal hunger. The analogy that's often used in the intuitive eating world is that if you held your breath for a really long time, your first breath would not be a delicate little sip. It would be a big old gasp. And that's what primal hunger is. So just to normalize that, if it happens. 
Yeah. And I, I often say, because then people are like, but I'm eating so much sugar and so many carbs. Do you really think, listen to me and listen to me very close. Come close, come close to the speaker. Your body's going to want a kale smoothie. Mm-mm. We just told you that your brain, your central nervous system, your red blood cells, that they love glucose. If you haven't ate enough and you're not getting enough, your body won't want a salad. It's going to want the most sugary, carb-dense, amazing, delicious food that it can think of. And there's vending machines everywhere, and you're going to go for that. Mm -hmm. Nothing to feel guilty over. It is a survival response. (laughs) That being said, you might still feel guilt because you learn to feel guilt. So in future principles, we will walk you through how to work with that lingering guilt if it doesn't just go off like a light switch because you decided one day you were going to be an intuitive eater. And also like we get hangry too sometimes. Like it's not like something that you're never going to experience even after you're an intuitive eater. Like the goal is to be as prepared and practical as you know you can be, but there's gonna be days where the day's gonna get away from you, shit's gonna hit the ceiling and you'll notice like, oh crap, I haven't ate and I'm feeling hangry. It's not the end of the world, but the goal is to, try to minimize that feeling. Like you shouldn't go through life being hangry. Mm-mm. And don't quote me on this, but I do think that the reasons why women get called bitchy so much is because so many of them are walking around hangry. Yeah, there's a little edge maybe there going on. You know? <laughs> you know? Also, also gender norms that say anytime we say <laughs> our opinion, we are not. <laughs> but they're dieting. Everybody's dieting and everybody's hangry. A lot of women are, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, you're sort of like joking here, but like, there's like also like that experience that people have where they're like, no, my personality was fundamentally different when I was dieting or going through my eating disorder. And a lot of that can be from under fueling and the guilt and all of the the emotional weight of what's happening. So the key Minnesota starvation, the Minnesota starvation study, do you want to give a little brief, like highlight? Well, well, I'm just saying like they documented mm-hmm. the effects that the undernourishment had on these men mm-hmm. physically and mentally. So when we think about it, I, I'll always joke around. If you've taken one of my courses or if you've like worked with me, you know that I always joke, joke around and say that like when we think, <laughs> no, I don't want to say Cracking it. herself up. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. Okay. But like literally everything those men were experiencing was so disordered and it's literally what like mommy bloggers taunt now yeah. please it's yeah. insane to me it's insane like this is what we like what people want to do and it's like no this is documented in a starvation study right right, right I'm it is wild to me that that I mean, it was, that study was discontinued because of the harm it was doing. And it kind of, it happened what like the forties or fifties and it just kind of got yeah. buried. And anyway, and that's, that's a whole, we can do a whole other episode on that someday. Yeah. But what I want you to know listening is that as we jump into an intuitive eating journey, eating enough is principle number two, honor your hunger is principle number two, because the pursuit of this puts you in a better position to use the other principles. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that you might consider, and you, you don't have to go through these principles in a linear way, but one of these things you might consider is applying permission to eat enough that if you sense hunger in any of its 
kind of signals or forms that you have permission to eat when you feel those hungers. Which yeah. brings us to our next question. What does hunger even feel like? Have you had this happen with clients where they're like, I don't either it's like level 10 panic mode hungry, or I don't feel it at all. Do you find that a lot that people can't describe to you in the beginning what hunger feels like? 99% of the time. Nobody knows what hunger feels like anymore, unless it's like that grumbling sensation. And how often do we feel that really? Yeah. What blows my mind is that uh, when I learned this, thinking about food is a sign of hunger. Sure. Wrap, wrap your head around that. And so for those of you who are quote obsessed with food, sometimes it's the, uh, the mental gymnastics of like, what should I eat? What shouldn't I eat? What did I eat? What will I eat? Sometimes it's your brain actively conjuring up thoughts of food so that you go that thoughts precede behaviors yeah. <laughs> that has to happen. So it's trying, your body's trying to get you to eat. And so really opening yourself up that hunger can feel like thinking about food, salivation, shakiness, uh, oh, fatigue, yeah. not concentrating or like, like you're trying to type an email and you can't even get the words across the screen. Distraction. Yeah. I think what's hard is the symptoms we're describing. I don't want to call it symptom because it's like pathologizing hunger. The experiences that we're describing could also be other things. And so when you're a dieter, what I notice can happen sometimes with people is they're like, oh, well, that's inconvenient. If I'm hungry, I have to eat. And if I eat, then I'm going to go over and quote, be bad. So maybe it's, (laughs) I can't be hungry. We deny then maybe it's thirst. Maybe, yeah, like maybe it's thirst. Maybe it's something else. And we start to deny that it's even a possibility. Intuitive eating does make space for different types of hunger. So one type of hunger would be called taste hunger. That's the hunger where you're just like, hmm, you know, I'm not physically feeling the symptoms of hunger, but I am wanting the taste of something sweet. It makes space for practical hunger, which is planning ahead based on how you might feel or how you felt in the past. And it makes space for emotional hunger, which is comfort food and soothing. And all of these things can be honored in the framework. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the different types of hunger, Delita? How do you see that showing up for your clients? Um, Emotional hunger is my favorite to debunk and talk about because I have such a passion for nostalgia and food and emotional hunger to me is one of the most underrated types. Yeah, I agree. Because I often see in my clients, they'll, they'll tell me like, you know, we'll, we'll get into basically like almost like emotional eating, but really what I hear a lot of the time is I grabbed something mindlessly and I sat down and I wasn't paying attention and I always go to the same thing. And to me, it's like, well, why are you going to that? There's a connection, a nostalgia, a a feeling that you're trying to achieve a memory that's attached to that food, an emotion that's attached to that food. So when you're feeling crappy, you're going for that. Mm -hmm. And so it's about being curious and compassionate and knowing that it's completely okay to have emotional hunger. Like that's why we're humans. We have different parts of our brain. We have different needs. We're not just, you know, a mammal out in the wild. Right. <laughs> like we, we have different parts of the brains. That's what differentiates us. Right. 
and food gives us comfort. And so there's nothing wrong with that emotional hunger. And then I think with practical hunger, this is where a lot of my chulas get stuck because they have such a hate relationship with meal planning because mm. planning they've done for dieting for so long. And so they're like, so you're telling me to meal plan? And it's like, not in the way that diet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll get up a little board, write down a little menu for the week. And if it changes, it changes. But sometimes we do need to have that practicality of knowing ahead of time what you think you want to cook so that you're not, you know, 6 p.m. doesn't hit and you're like, crap. Now what? <laughs> yeah, so, there are logistics involved. Like try to think about it more like home economics. <laughs> like we're just, we're just kind of doing a life skill here, people. Um, do people have home ec? I like, I think they like canceled it while I was in high school. Like I was about to be able to take the class and they canceled it. That's exactly what happened. I remember that when my freshman year, there was definitely home ec. And then by the time it was my turn, it wasn't there anymore. Is that why you hate to cook now? (laughs) Do you think that that's the origin story of your hatred of cooking? I just need a senora to come cook for me some delicious (laughs) Just a sweet senora. (laughs) Senora, right and then my mom's like I'll do it I'm like but you won't so all right well we're gonna start a, mu- a movement for Delina to find me a senora find some help to come and be with her and support her practical hunger yeah, planning beans and rice and yes every day so ultimately the takeaway from from this discussion about the different types of hunger is that when we say honor your hunger we don't just mean the physical you may honor your hunger in whatever form it appears based on your internal cues and over time in the future principles we'll discuss you can hone and revise that so that it doesn't become an eat what you want free for all i know a lot of people are afraid of that we won't talk about it today but to start, you've got to trust the cues so that your body can trust you. It's going to be hard to do yeah. this if you can't. A lot of times client tell me, t- clients will tell me that they never feel hungry or alternatively, they, uh, they never let themselves feel hungry. So this shows up in two ways. So the people who never feel hungry, they don't eat a lot, but it never really appears. Mm-hmm. And there's other people who are eating constantly because they're afraid it will show up. They're afraid it's going to happen. Yeah. And I think there's kind of multiple strategies you might use depending on what camp that you are in, but I want to normalize that dieting can often interrupt our signals in a very, uh, it's, it's, you can unravel it. You can unlearn it, but it can feel very confusing when you just stop relying on external plans. And then you start going internally to your hunger cues. And then they're just like, not there, or you're afraid to listen to them. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is when that like eating with connection and intent comes into play it's like being curious asking yourself I think this is also a good place to talk about people filling up with like low cal foods so they're constantly eating but they're still not getting enough because they're eating a lot of diet foods right so um low calorie fiber one bars or whatever it is that they're they're doing to kind of like suppress the hunger throughout the day and then eventually it backs right because that primal hunger eventually is like um wait a second um and that usually happens in the evenings when you get home and you kind of relax or you're getting ready to cook dinner but you find yourself grabbing a glass of wine grabbing some chips then getting some of this then some of that and then by the time you sit down for dinner you're like i ain't half the kitchen so (laughs) you know i think that 
it's definitely, it's hard. It's hard to connect when the world has told us so much that we shouldn't feel hunger, that it's bad if we feel hunger because we just told you to eat air. Right, right. Yeah, and that's a common source of, that's a real pro tip from Billina. There's a common source of frustration in clients. We're like, like, I am eating. (laughs) And it's, yes, you're ingesting food. Food is entering your body. But in terms of the energy that your body is asking for, coming back around to those carbs, you know, if you're not consuming the right amount or profile, your body will ask for more. And and I don't say this to have you start worrying about macros, nothing like that. I say this to say your body's smarter than you. And if you don't give it what it needs, it will continue to knock on the door and say, excuse me. Now I'd like the the nutrition that I asked for in the first place. So it might not happen today. It might not happen tomorrow, but it will happen. It coming for you. If you never really feel hungry, that maybe because you have learned to press the snooze button and silence body cues. This is common in folks with restrictive type eating disorders as well, where they have trained themselves to say, oh, I feel it, ignore it. And so then eventually the body may stop sending the signal. But for folks like that, we work with you to develop practical hunger plans in the short term while those cues come back. So there's definitely strategies around that to help. If you're someone who's like, I had a client once, she's like, I realize that I can't leave the house without like a lot of food. I'll be on my way to dinner and I'll eat like two granola bars because I'm afraid of getting hungry. It may be that there have been times where primal hunger in your past was so distressing to you and it was so repeated (laughs) that now you have a fear or an aversion to even a little bit of that discomfort that comes when hunger arrives. So how do we get over that? we eat more regularly. We speak more kindly. We create safety around the experience of hunger. It's another thing me and Delina will do with clients often over like a three month span, because that's often how long it takes to reconnect the wires or with this stuff. So definitely be patient about it. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Mm-mm. So This is meant to really normalize hunger, normalize extreme hunger as something that can happen and something that is built within you to protect you and keep you safe and strong and surviving. We talked a little bit about the different types of hunger, taste, practical, emotional, and that those should be honored alongside physical hunger. And we talked about some difficulty sensing hunger, especially if you're a chronic dieter. So with all of these many ideas that this principle offers. I think a call to action for this week might be simply to observe the sensations in your body that you connect with hunger and not to judge them. So this week, everyone who's listening to this podcast might make a note to simply observe their hunger. Notice how intense it is. Uh, Notice if it is pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. Notice if you're thinking about food, try to get some data And that will assist you and start to connect the dots and make some, some decisions about how you want to approach food without dieting. Yes. And connect with your body. Because sometimes that also helps. Mm -hmm. Just take us some time to breathe. A couple of my group members are saying that they're finding more success with this when they make a point to try to slow down. Nothing dramatic, but trying to slow down just a little bit, take a little bit of a beat. I have one client who like tries to set her phone aside just for a few moments maybe not the whole meal. So think about the intention to observe it, to connect with it and 
a lot of times you get a little treasure trove of information. It's very empowering to be able to yeah. understand your body. We would love to hear how it's going out there. You can feel free to DM Delina or myself if you found anything interesting that you're working on. I think that's all we have for this hunger principle, honor your hunger principle. Any other final thoughts, Delina? Do we do we do it justice? No, I think we did a great job. We love to applaud ourselves now a little bit. So that was today's episode. We love a review from you wherever you found this podcast so that we can help other women like you looking to heal (laughs) their relationship with food find our show if you have a friend that you think would love this episode maybe they're your hangry friend maybe you want to teach them some tips i don't know let your friends know about our episodes and what we're doing here at break the diet cycle until next time thanks for being here with us and being who you are peace love and break the diet cycle